0: Amen. If you have your Bibles for a little while tonight, I'm, I don't know, I, I get excited about messages, and sometimes I get up here and jump right in the big middle of them and just make a mess out of it. feel kind of like I did that last Wednesday night, but I feel more so tonight. I've never been so excited about a revelation, and it may not be anything to you. But I believe it is, it is a powerful revelation that God would like all of us to get a hold of. Philippians chapter 3. For the sake of time, I really could start with verse 1 and read down to the end of the chapter or end of the book. But I don't want you to stand that long. But I want to get to the core. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. And very quickly read down through verse number 16. And it reads like this. Paul said, not as though I had already attained. I've not made it. Either were already perfect. I've not already grown to the full potential of my life. But I follow after. And one translation says, I pursue everybody say i pursue i follow after that if i may that i follow after if that i may apprehend or if that i may grasp that for which also and your translation said i am apprehended of but I, my translation says what's got a hold of me if i could get a hold of what's got hold of me Amen. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 said, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, Be thus minded. And if in any way or in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same things. And everybody said, Amen. Now, you can be seated. I want to read that from, I'm going to take a, a few moments. I want to read it from the uh, Amplified Bible, if you'll let me. So, uh, give you a little magnification of our text. Paul said, that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in this body. Now, that's amazing. I want to read that again so you can get it. Listen very closely. He said that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in this body. We live among a lot of dead folks. (laughs) And Paul said, it is my desire to get hold of something that will elevate me out of all of this dead mindset and this, well, you know what it means. Verse 12, not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold or to grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus "...has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, verse 13, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my aspiration. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize... To which God in Christ Jesus is calling us. So. Let those of us who are spiritually mature. And full grown have this mind. And hold these convictions. And if in any respect. You have a different attitude of mind. God will make that clear to you also. Verse 16. Only let us hold true. To what we have already attained, and walk and order our lives by that. now let me read it to you from the message it gets a little little better. Can I do that? Now, let me read from the American standard Version. He said, "If by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect, but I press on so." if so be that I may lay hold on that for which also I was laid hold on by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before, I press on toward the goal under the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 15. Let us therefore as many... As are perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything we are otherwise minded, this also shall God reveal unto you. Only whereunto you have obtained by that same rule, let us walk. Now let me read the message to you. And then we're going to be dismissed. He said, if there was any way... To get in on the resurrection from the dead, I want to do it. Focused on the goal. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I am off and running and I'm not turning back. Verse 15. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, keep focused on that goal. How many of you want everything God has for you? then you're going to have to keep focused on that goal. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, then God will clear your blurred vision and you'll see it yet. And verse 16 says, Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Amen. I want to talk to you, and and there's no way, because Grimaldi's is calling me, and I want something to eat, but I'm just kidding. Um, By the way, it's open in the mall if you didn't know that. Best pizza in town. I couldn't preach to you everything that's in my heart tonight. Some of you just got that, didn't you? So it's going to have to be a kind of a over... We're going to have to pick it up and take it a little further. But I want to start tonight. I want to talk to you about the mind of an overcomer. The mind of an overcomer. The human mind is certainly an amazing thing. And the more that science discovers about the human mind it just underscores the fact that all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made that God made his grandest creation when he created mankind the mind has the capabilities that are astonishing many have compared the mind to a computer But the fact is the mind surpasses the computer in many, many, many ways. The human brain is so interwoven that it can work parallel tasks without freezing up or short-circuiting. The mind is so powerful that it can traverse a vast interconnected network of cells for relevant information on what you are trying to do at that moment and bring to you not only the words but the skills to perform what you're thinking. Medicated by chemicals that wash over it, that keep it functioning properly, the brain has the capacity or the processing capacity of 0.1 quadrillion instructions per second. Now, Brother Hughes, Brother Dr. Hughes, what is 0.1 quadrillion? That's a bunch. How many of you know how long a second is? That's gone. That's what that is right there. That was two seconds. But in one second... Your brain that God created, has the capacity to process 0.1 quadrillion quadrillion not a T -- quadrillion instructions per second. That's busy. No wonder some of you are tired right now. It has the ability while solving simple math problems. To subconsciously process data from millions of nerve cells that handle visual input, auditory input from two ears, and sensory inputs from your skin and other parts of your body, all at the same time, and not get them crossed up. While it regulates your heartbeat it monitors oxygen levels and hunger and thirst requirements. And that's a full-time job for some people's mind. Along with breathing patterns and hundreds of other essential factors throughout the body. And it does it all simultaneously without having a train wreck or burning up. It is hardwired to learn. No matter who you are or where you come from if you have a brain and you do you have the ability to learn it has the ability to develop it has the ability to adapt it is plastic in some sense it or let me rephrase it has plasticity it it can stretch and be reformed and can be reworked so that it will circumvent cells that have died and areas of the brain that are not functioning. They have proven it through scientific discovery that your brain can literally reroute the nerve sensors to go to another part of the brain that's functioning so you can continue to function as a human being you don't believe that go home and google a woman with a half brain or a man with a half brain and you'll find that there are people either by birth or by some kind of medical problem have had half of their brain taken out and yet their mind their brain has readapted itself to that and it is able to function speak write walk talk think do things like a normal human being because when god made you he made you wonderfully. He made you with the ability to adapt and change. And he made you with some elasticity so that if you come into life and, and, and everything about your life is against you, that does not limit you to what you can become. Simply means that your mind has the capacity to alter Neural pathways, impulses, they call snapses, and the nervous system in response to experience and injury. What all of that simply means is this that a healthy mind is not stuck in any situation or any problem because your mind has the capacity to change and it has the capacity to grow. You can alter your brain or you can alter, we call it, you can change your mind in order to accomplish something that you previously thought was undoable. But when you change your mind, when you change your mindset, when you change your thinking, what you viewed as impossible before becomes something that is accomplished. Amen. Paul spoke a lot about the mind. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He said, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And he said again, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God. Peter picked up the pen and he said, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, be vigilant. Fifty-six times alone in the New Testament, the word mind is referenced, and many of those references are found in the writings of the Apostle Paul. And when that word mind is used, it encompasses a world of things. It means everything from inclinations to agreements, intentions to understanding, from Intellect to will, from sentiment to opinion, from affections to attitude, from breath to spirit, from modesty to efforts, from emotions to will, from passions to purpose, from aim to even your appetite. So when you read in scripture something concerning the mind, you are Coming into a world that is so powerfully instrumental in how our lives are lived. It is impossible for me to describe to you how important it is that you keep your mind. Amen. Now the mind and the heart oftentimes are synonymous in scriptures. a matter of fact. In the Old Testament, you will read many things about the heart. The book of Proverbs is full of things concerning the heart. The Hebrew translation can be translated mind. It was much more than just the mind, but it involved the mind. So... You would not do service if while you were reading the Scripture and you came to a verse that had the word heart into it that you could input in that the word mind. It would not do disservice to Scripture and it would not violate the intent of that word. It would give you a glimpse of what the writer was trying to say. And so when you read Proverbs 4 and 23, it says guard or keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You can easily change that to say keep your mind. For out of it are the issues or the critical points of life. The things that make life what it is. They come from that part of you that is so critically, wonderfully made. In Proverbs 14, I found this awesome when I was reading this today. Solomon said, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. Let me change that. A sound mind is the life of the flesh. You would not do yourself an injustice if you would sit down and get your concordance out and go through scripture and read every verse Where you find the word heart and insect the word or intersect the word mind into its place and get a clearer or fuller understanding because the mind is where it's at. Everybody say, The mind is where it's at. Say, My mind is where it's at. The mind is the place. Of victory or defeat. It is the place of success. Or failure. It is the gateway. To triumph. To accomplishment. To achievement. To success. Whatever it is that you are reaching for. The mind is the gateway. That allows you to take that journey. And it is also. The channel of our defeat. It is the path that leads to destruction and the things that we do not desire. And I am convinced tonight that if I could get you to ever get a grip on this truth, it would revolutionize your whole life. As a man, Or as he thinketh in his mind, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, is what the scripture says. But the word mind can be interjected, so is he. So our mind is such a powerful part of our not only everyday life, but our spiritual life. Now, our mind is made up of thoughts. And I'm not an expert. And I know you probably could find your own studies. But this is what I've come across. That the average human mind. Experts estimate that we have between 50 and 70,000 thoughts per day. That's amazing. Some of you didn't know you had that much in you, did you? Everybody say 50 to 70,000. That's amazing. Thoughts per day. Now. They also find that there are four things that you need to understand about your thoughts. Number one, psychologists say that 98 to 99% of our thoughts are habitual, which means that you thought it yesterday and and the day before and the day before and the day before and the day before. So if you are going to experience change in your life you're going to have to interrupt the habitual and learn something new so if you go on to read the end of the book of Philippians Paul comes to the point where he said I have learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content now It wasn't born in him. It didn't come by birthright. It came from experience. It came with something going on, not only in his life, but in his mind, that made Paul become a learner. And the only way that an overcomer becomes an overcomer is that they have to rise above the habitual And expand their mind to something more than what has been. And learn. If you want to break out of a rut, you have got to break the cycle of rethinking the same old thing. If you think what you've always thought, you're going to get what you always thought. No wonder Paul spoke often of the renewing of the mind. Because if we're not careful, our minds can get in a rut. And we think today what we thought yesterday and the things that we thought yesterday we thought the day before. And there's nothing fresh or new. And we don't push ourselves to learn or expand our horizon And so to break this habitual thinking, you've got to to adopt a learning mindset. That is the mind of an overcomer. That I'm not going to be trapped by habit. Do you know that habit is the reason many people stay bound by their sin? Because they just can't seem to break the hold that that thing has on them and so they try everything but what they need to do and that's get a new mind have their mind renewed they 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 go to different places they change jobs they change wives or husbands or they change cars or they change clothes or they act a different way and they find out that they're not any better off down the road than they were before because they haven't changed what really needs to change. Got to start up here. And the mind of an overcomer refuses to be tied down to what he thought yesterday or the day before or all of that. He, he refuses to allow his mind to get locked into a rut. And so he forces himself to learn something new every day. it It is said of one poet, one French poet, that he would walk the streets of Paris every day looking for something new because that's the only thing he knew that would keep his prose fresh and alive. Now my dad always wiser than his words, but he never did get on to us as kids like some parents get on to them. My dad, if you did something wrong, he he, he didn't rehearse it. He, he didn't beat you down with it. Matter of fact, I very seldom ever remember my dad ever reminding me of anything that I did wrong. But what he did say, what he did ask was, what did you learn out of all this? Now, you know what, I'd rather take a beating sometime than to have to face the fact that I've not learned very much because I keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And if you're tired of getting the same thing you've always gotten, you're going to have to learn something. That means you're going to have to push yourself a little bit. You're going to have to expand your horizons. I don't believe anybody should quit learning. I don't care how old you are. And I don't care what environment you're in. When we evangelize, I tried to learn something from every place that we went. Things I didn't want to do and things I did want to do. But I watched, I observed, I paid attention because I wanted to leave there better than what I was when I got there. I did not want to get hooked hooked up in some habitual way of looking at life or thinking and think that that's the only way life can be lived. Life is much bigger than that. And so when I look out in the world and I look around me, I find out that there's a world bigger than me. And Paul said, if you could only understand that the mind of an overcomer will not allow itself to be tied down to habitual thinking. Amen. Learning that life doesn't have to be perfect for me to live it. Number two. This is the second thing that they say about those, let's just say an average of 60,000 thoughts a day. Is that only 12% of those thoughts are of the future. Only 12 of the future. Now if all of your thoughts of tomorrow are clouded by anxiety and fear and worry and stress, then you probably would like that statistic. If all you see on the horizon is a dark cloud and trouble coming to meet you, then you probably love that, that you only have 12% of your thoughts like that. But if you're a child of faith, faith is not a backward look. Faith is a forward look. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's not what is, but what could be. And as a child of faith, I cannot afford to let my eyes get so mired in the present or the past that I do not look to the future. Because the future is where God's best is being housed. Heaven. Is in the future. Glory. Is in the future. Transformation. Is in the future. What what did Paul say? Immortality. Is in the future. If you live by faith. Paul said the mind. Of an overcomer not only will not be trapped by habitual thinking, but it will not be trapped by not looking ahead or looking to the future. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we need a forward mindset to break or to change the low percentage of future thinking. Now, what was the most common theme of the old-time songwriters? This is a this is a pop quiz. Heaven, heaven. If you get your the hymnals out, if we had them, you would find that the vast majority of all hymns were written about another world, a better place, heaven. Why? Because they realized that there was nothing in this world that was worth keeping their attention. And so they set their eyes on things that were above. And somehow that helped them get through whatever kind of hellish or bad situation they might had to have lived through at that moment. They let their minds be elevated. And by elevating their minds, they elevated their life. The old timers had heaven on their mind. And maybe, just maybe, that needs to happen to some of us. Maybe we need to point our minds in a more upward path. And we would find a more upward spirit coming into our life. Amen. Number three, am got to hurry. The third thing they say about your thoughts Harvard experts found in a study that the average person spends 46.9% of their waking hours thinking about things other than what they are presently doing. You know what that means? That means we're distracted. And a distracted, wandering mind is an emotional wreck. We are physically present, but we are emotionally absent. And according to two psychologists, a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. A focused mind can bring change into your life. And many culprits there be that contribute to this problem of of distraction. I want to tell you, it is the most, I don't even know if this is the word, but oxymoronic. I'm going to make up a word tonight. (laughs) That there is nothing that dumbs us down any quicker than smartphones because they're nothing more than a distraction most of the time we call it multitasking but really it's just a wandering mind because we can't stay focused on what we need to stay and we we live in a world and a generation now that is being nurtured in that mindset we couldn't live without our cell phones. We couldn't. I mean, I'm admitting that it's just a confession. And confession's good for the soul. I, I guarantee it. Probably go home and make up your mind that you're not going to do anything on your cell phone tomorrow. But what is essential? If somebody calls you a legitimate phone call, I don't mean just to find out how you're doing, but there's a business that... See how long you can go without that. And we don't realize how many other distractions there are in life. No wonder the seed of God's word never germinates into fruit in our life because it's the very thing that he spoke of with the sower and the seed. He said some fell among thorns. Now, the ground was healthy enough that it grew thorns, so it was healthy enough to grow wheat. But because the thorns were there, the Bible says that they grow together and they become unfruitful. And according to what I've read and and a, a little deeper into the meaning of that text is that literally they say what happens when that seed goes into the ground, in that thorny ground, that when it begins to take root, that the root of the weed and the thorn begin to intertwine around the root system of that wheat. And as the nutrients are being sucked into the wheat, the weeds intercept it and pull it away. So that it never gets the nutrients it needs to become fruitful. And so all you see is a stalk. But no fruit. And he talks about that in a distracted state of mind. If the devil can't make you bad. He'll make you busy. And the mind of an overcomer is a mind that has girded up the loins and said you know what we're not going there today we're not going to let that we're not getting away from what our purpose is we're not getting away from what god called me to do. we're not getting away from the things that are essential and necessary number four and i'm i'm hurrying cleveland clinic estimates Get this, 80% of our thoughts are negative. Wow. No wonder you had a bad day. 48,000 thoughts that are negative. Now, get me. It's not wrong to have a negative thought. What makes the problem compounded is when you begin to verbalize your negative thoughts. You can't keep a negative thought from coming. I can't. haven't been so far. But when I start verbalizing that, I give power to that thought. When I begin to verbalize that, I give credence to that thought. I give substance to it. And instead of it just dying and going away, I give life to it. So much so that most of the time in life we get what we say. We get what we confess. We get what we speak. Job said, The thing that I feared most has come upon me. And what happened? It did. It overwhelmed him. Because he allowed his mind, in all of his troubles and all of the issues that were going on, he allowed his mind to be sucked in. To this channel of thinking that overwhelmed him. So we need to use our voice to speak the right things. And we need to be careful that we don't compound our problems. Of the negative thoughts by speaking those things out. Proverbs 18.21 says. Words. or Well King James says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. One translation said words kill words give life they're either poison or fruit you choose Matthew is the converse scripture from Proverbs Matthew 12:37 Jesus said words can be your salvation or words can be your Damnation. Your words now reflect your fate. Say that with me. My words reflect my fate. What the outcome, that's not positive thinking. That is not nightingale or anybody. That is the word of God. And the Word of God said that if you speak it from your mouth, you are giving power to it and you're giving credence to it. That's why what you say needs to be carefully guarded. Amen. If you have to say it, say it like you believe it, not like you feel it. I love this. Jesus spoke to the winds. He didn't speak about the winds. He spoke to the winds. Jesus spoke to the storm. He spoke to the demons. He spoke to the problems. And then he turned and told us, Speak unto that mountain. And say, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. For whatsoever thou sayest." that shall you also have. Amen. What we speak, we give power to. When we verbalize our faith, we give power to it. And when we verbalize our fears, we give power to them. No wonder Paul, in writing to the Romans, said, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come can separate me from the love of God. He said, I am more than a conqueror. Do you understand the environment that he was riding that in? It was not a copacetic, healthy situation where everybody loved Jesus and everybody had heaven stickers on the back bumper of their chariots. Rome despised what he represented. And yet in that environment, Paul said, I am more than a conqueror. Now, maybe he was trying to pep himself up. I doubt that. I think he was trying to get across to the believer that what you say is what you're going to become. You need to forget those things that are wrong and remember that you cannot go back and change them, but you can change what can come. So there's some things that you should say and there's some things that you should not say. The Word of God said in Jeremiah 1, say not, Jeremiah, I am a child. That was God's response to Jeremiah saying, I can't do this. I don't have, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not qualified. And I'm a, I'm a child. I, I, I don't have the maturity to deal with this. And the word of God come back to him and said, Say not, I am a child. Do not contradict what God is trying to say about your life by the way you live, by the way you act, by the way you talk. Don't disqualify yourself If God has called you. Number two. Jesus said. Say not. There are four months. And then cometh harvest. I say. Look on the field. Lift up your eyes. And look on the fields. For they are white. Already to harvest. So what he said is. Don't put off to the future. What God is wanting to give you today. So there are some things that you need to say. You need to confess with your mouth the Lord. You need to speak the word of God. There's nothing more powerful than this word. That's why sometimes just getting up and reading this word out loud. Does more to help me than anything else. You know I can read it silently. But when I start reading it out loud. When I verbalize. It goes beyond my thoughts. It becomes part of. Of my whole being Then when I speak those words Those words bring life They bring transformation They change my mind They change my feelings My emotions So when I open my mouth and speak I want to speak truth I want to speak the word of God But I don't want to say things That contradict what God says about me I'm no good I'm a a failure I'm a reject. I'm a mistake. And some of you are telling yourself that in your mind. You messed up. I'm no good. I failed. I've stumbled. I've done this. I've done that. And we listen to that recording in our mind long enough that we start acting out what our mind is telling us. Amen. I'm talking about the mind of an overcomer. I had not got there yet, but I'm getting there. The mind of an overcomer. So with all of that being said, When you go back to the book of Philippians and you start in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul begins to delineate the things that are part of the mind of an overcomer. And I didn't even put this down in my notes, but while I was getting ready to come out, the Lord quickened to me a verse that I had completely overlooked in the second verse. He said, beware of dogs. Beware dogs. Of the concision, division, conflict. Beware of the mutilators, the people that were trying to force circumcision on to these new Christians. Now, in Jewish culture, the dog was the lowest of the low. So, Paul begins writing to them in this third chapter. He said, I don't even want to take the time to apologize to you for having to say this again. Evidently, he had already said this before. He said, I'm going to say it to you again because you need to hear it, and it's for your good. Beware of dogs. So the mind of an overcomer is is conscious that his associations can help him or hurt him. Who he hangs out with who he runs around with, who he talks to, what he reads, what he observes, what he listens to, what he gives his mind to. Those associations have an influence on your life and an overcomer realizes that your environment is as critical as anything else in your spiritual journey and you need to make sure that you keep yourself surrounded by people that are going to help you forward And not take you backward. Am I making any sense? The mind of an overcomer. Simply put in my vernacular is. If you want to be like an eagle. You have got to hang with the eagles. But you can't hang with turkeys. And be like an eagle. Whoever you associate. Who you hang out with. You say well that's the only friend I have. Well then I would suggest you find some new friends. Because you become what you associate. You become what you hang out. You become what you listen to. You say, well, I don't hang out with any bad people, but you listen to music that's garbage. Or you read stuff that's garbage, and you wonder why those words keep popping up. You just keep pulling. They'll come back to you. Yeah. I'm just saying that if if you don't surround yourself With the right atmosphere and the right environment. You're not going to overcome. You're not going to rise above the problems and the issues of life. So your environment is critical to your success. And the mind of an overcomer understand that I need to beware. That there are things out there that are contrary to what I'm trying to accomplish. Now they may be dressed up like sheep. But they're actually wolves in sheep's clothing. They're just waiting on the moment to pounce on me and eat me up. So I need to be careful. And i got to close. It's already 840. Can you believe that? Time flies when you're having fun. The mind of an overcomer. He said, beware the dogs. Stay away from the low stuff. You want a transformation in your life? Change the crowd you hang around with. If that crowd's not helping you get closer to God and they're not encouraging you in spiritual matters or they're not encouraging you to climb higher or to look higher, you need to find new people to hang out with. Some of you are going to sleep on me and i 'm giving you the best revelation that you could ever i 'm trying to help you look into the mind of an overcomer and it 's like in this it 's like when Paul gets to Philippians, he just takes the scaffold and he cuts around the scalp and he pulls the top of the cranium off and he lets you look down into the mind of an overcomer, and he shows you. Every step, all of the things that are needed and necessary, if you're going to be an overcomer, the kind of mind that will help you get to the goal, that will help you accomplish what you set out to do, that will help make you a better person. And I'm not saying it begins, but one of the critical points has got to be, I've got to be careful who my running buds are. Now, I'm not saying you shun people. You're supposed to love everybody. But I'm not going to hang out with them. I'll be nice to them. I'm going to love them. But I'm going to leave them too. Because they're not going the same way I am. They don't desire the same things I desire. I want to be around people that when I get through being in their presence, man, I feel better. When I get away from them, I feel challenged. I feel, man, i got to go get in my Bible. They, I just being around them, listening to them, it challenged me. It didn't condemn me. It challenged me. I can do better than this. I want to be around people that when I leave, I'm thinking, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. And you could think of it if you just put yourself in the right environment. Your mind will never expand beyond the influences that you bring into it. And so if you want to expand the horizons of your life, you're going to have to understand that there's some dogs out there. there, There are some spirits that will devour, and their whole nature is to tear and rip, and they live in the junkyard. They just they feed off of the the the, the trash. They, they they go around scavenging, and in the Jewish community, they were despised because of their nature of scavenging. They weren't cultured home dogs like we have. They were just wild, running through the streets, tearing up, tearing down. And Paul said, "There are spirits like that in this world, and you have to stay away from that. Beware." Anybody know what that means? Beware. Dogs and the, was it schism? There was, there was an argument going on in the church about what color the walls are supposed to be, and what pattern carpet was. And whether the pews were going to be padded or unpadded. Or whether we were going to have air conditioning or no air conditioning. And they were arguing over things that did not matter one thing toward eternity. Paul said, stay away from that. That that, that includes gossip. Now, I am might as well hit the whole target tonight. Yeah. Anything that tears down stay away from it. anything that puts you in a situation where you have to compromise your principles to stay in that environment you need to get away from because the mind of an overcomer knows you've got to be careful the atmosphere that you let into your life and you've got to be careful what you expose yourself to if you want to overcome now if you want to keep on losing in life go right ahead just hang out where you are. Stay where you're at. Don't desire anything bigger or better. Don't try to elevate yourself. Don't just be satisfied just being you. Paul said, I, I've got hold of something. Really, something got a hold of me. And man, now I'm trying to get a hold of it. I want to get a hold of that mindset of an overcomer. I want to realize that I can't hang out everywhere and succeed. I can't run with everybody and become better. Amen. Amen. A stand. We'll finish it maybe next week or week after. The mind of an overcomer. I, pro- I challenge you to go home and get the book of Philippians open and read the third and fourth chapter and just see what God begins to speak to you out of that when he shows you the mind of an overcomer. All of the things that Paul enumerates there that are part of the mind, the thinking, the words, the verbalization of a person who overcomes. I don't know about you, but I want to do better. Amen. I, 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 don't, I don't want to be satisfied. And I I think the thing that is a pastor that frustrates a pastor more than anything is getting people to get off of high center. You know, they're not cold, but they're not really hot either. Now, the Word has something to say about that. And there's something strange about God. He said, I would rather you be cold or hot, but lukewarm. It's nauseating. Come on. Don't be satisfied. God has a heaven awaiting all of us, but more than that, he's got some heaven on earth for you and I to enjoy. The Bible said we are seated in heavenly places right now. Not tomorrow, not when we die or translated, but right now we sit together in heavenly places. Oh God, help me. I want to grow. I want to climb a little higher. I want to elevate my eyes and my thinking. I want to get heaven on my mind. Amen. I want to get heaven. Praise God. Amen. Just a, to just a think that God loves us so much that He would prepare a place of such extraordinary beauty that we cannot even fathom. And He's prepared it. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. It translated, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. Oh God, help us to get heaven on our mind. Hallelujah. I think it will make me live better. I think it will make me be want, want to be more spiritual, more prayerful, more worshipful. Heaven on my mind. Come on, let's lift our voice to Him right now. And let's praise Him together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.